Data and social media is certainly something that we've probably all at least heard about. And today's guest is going to walk us through not only why we should be paying attention to one particular social media channel as nonprofits, but how we can effectively and in a very focused way use analytics to increase the chances of our success in the social media channel. So today we are going to focus on YouTube. And rather than being overwhelmed by all of the possible data metrics that are on the YouTube platform, my guest gives us a very good framework to home in on a few practical places that we can put our energy and attention, how we can interpret the numbers that we see there, and how we can use that data to make better decisions and adjust our strategy in the YouTube space to really help build relationships with the people who care about our work. Hello, and welcome to Heart, Soul, and Data, the podcast where we explore the human side of analytics to amplify the impact of nonprofits and social enterprises. With me, your host, Alexandra Mannerings. All right, Atai, I'm so happy to have you here to talk about, I think, a very important topic we sometimes miss, which is how we can use data to power some of our social media presence. And we're going to talk specifically about YouTube. So do you mind introducing yourself? Right. Hi. I'm so happy to be with you, too. Uh, my name is Itai Nussbaum. Uh, I am the founder of Pocket Teacher. It is a nonprofit with free educational content on YouTube so that all high school students, regardless of their parents' socioeconomic status, have an equal shot of excelling in the high school standard standardized exams required for a diploma. I am also a founder of YouTubers Toolkit. That's a consulting company that helps companies create a meaningful online video presence. And I think the reason that I'm excited to have you here is at first I was like, you know, YouTube for nonprofits, is that really something right. that's helpful? And to, even just emailing with you, you definitely convinced me this is something that, not, that nonprofits need to be paying attention to and maybe aren't necessarily paying attention to constructing a really solid YouTube strategy, which relies hugely on using analytics and understanding the analytics. So that's why I'm really excited to be able to talk with you today. So can we just start with, you know, how you you won me over, which is why do nonprofits even need to think about something like YouTube? Okay, so I have so much to say about it. That's so funny. Because I would say, for me, the question is funny, because I think nonprofits can benefit more from YouTube than any other kind of business. Like I, if, if you would ask me, I, I'm a business owner or I run a nonprofit, should I have a, a YouTube channel? I would say def, if you are a nonprofit, you should definitely have a YouTube channel. Because So I, I'm going to start in the beginning, okay? First, we need to understand what YouTube is all about. Okay, so YouTube is a social search engine. What I mean by that? Search engine means that YouTube is a place for you to get information, like Google, where you get information in video format, but that's not the whole story. The social means that we, the society, create the content. See, the way YouTube works is by analyzing large amounts of data to determine how to give you the information you want. Many times, 
without you even asking for it. So for us, normal people, YouTube is an opportunity. It is a tool to connect with our audience in a unique way. So video is a very powerful medium. Viewers, they can see us, they can hear us, and we can convey our feelings and emotions in a way unparalleled to other platforms. And it is when our emotions come through that viewers become audience. We gain their trust and they are open to hear our message in a way that makes YouTube way better to nonprofits than for for-profit businesses. YouTube is it's not a selling platform. It is, again, it's a social search engine. It's a place where you get the information you want. If you are the kind of person who wants to know more about anything, this is the platform for you. If you are the kind of person who wants to share his knowledge about something, this is a platform for you. So I have two very different examples of nonprofits that uses YouTube that I really want to share because they're like the edge of the spectrum, each one of them. And you can understand like if you're anyway in the middle between those two, and I promise you, you are anyway in the middle between those two, YouTube is for you. So on the one end of the spectrum, there's like this huge organization, UNICEF. Okay, so if you don't, probably you know them, they start to protect every child. Like they have this, this giant worldwide mission. So their YouTube channel, first of all, is amazing. The YouTube channel is all about their message. They create awareness. They rally to a cause. They help the viewers be involved and understand better the situation and the, their part in it. So if someone wants to take action or to contribute to UNICEF, they make it really easy for them to understand everything they need to know or might want to know about UNICEF. So on the other end of the spectrum, another example, that a few months ago, I consulted um, a pastor. He has a YouTube channel. Um, he wants to connect to his community and he wants to impart wisdom. He makes inspiration videos. Okay. So he uses YouTube to connect to his community during COVID times and make conversation with them. Both of these are really great examples of why nonprofits will want to use YouTube and how to use it. So for each one of them, YouTube is, is an amazing tool. They use it completely differently, but it really helps them get their message across and connect with the audience. So short answer is yes, you need YouTube. I love those examples because you, you really do illustrate just what YouTube can do. It can build connection, it can build inspiration, it can build community, which are all things that every nonprofit needs. But then it can also educate, create awareness, help bring people from not knowing anything about you to knowing exactly what the problem is, where they fit into that problem, and then the actions that they can take if they want to address that problem. 
So that, this is what I was saying. You, you convinced me. And so hopefully everyone listening is, is convinced as well. I always talk about before you can get into the data, though, you need to understand what success looks like, right? So before you can use data to try to help you succeed, you need to know where you're trying to get to. So it sounds kind of like we've, we've defined success for nonprofits as their community engagement, education, connection, or um, support to action. Would you say that's right, or am I missing some, some ways that success might be for nonprofits? Right. So success can be so many things uh, in, every, in, in business, in nonprofits, in YouTube too. So I would say um, in a YouTube perspective, Success can be defined in many ways. I, I just, I, it's important for me to say when people, they first hear about YouTube, oh, you, you have a YouTube channel. How many viewers do you have? Mm -hmm. How many subscribers do you have? Like everyone thinks, oh, I, I wouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people thinks that they think, okay, success in YouTube is how many, view, a large amount of viewers, right? So, but if you really, you're going to ask someone, whose business is actually based on YouTube, they will probably tell you otherwise. Usually, it's not the numbers of viewers, more the number of quality views. Don't ask yourself, how many people watch my video? Ask how many people were affected by my video? So like uh, in a nonprofit mindset, you want people not just to hear you speak, you want them to listen. So you want to you want you want to make an impact. So you don't just want big numbers, and maybe just have one definition of success. Mm -hmm. Because you can be you uh, as I see it, you can be much more lean in your approach in YouTube, and you can say, okay, I am a, a certain kind of nonprofit. I want to make a certain impact. I want to create awareness. I want whatnot. So think what's important to you as a person. YouTube is a tool for you. So you, you can define your success with the tool you, you're using. So the tool is not about views. It's about how you impact using the tool. Yes, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I like what you're saying is that it's easy because views are easy to count, you know, and subscribers are easy to count, that then we just revert to that. Exactly. So that's the story we always tell ourselves like, okay, it's easy to measure views. So I'm going to use it as an indicator to what might, uh, how might my channel, how much is it worth? I, I, I call it the tip of the iceberg. Okay. Because you can only see like this tiny portion of everybody can see how many views you have. Everybody can see how many subscribers you have. There's an entire world of data that you can, you can use and, and views it's, it's so misleading sometimes. Right. Well, I think that's a great transition. Let's talk about the other elements of data that are here and other things that we should be paying attention to besides just the easy to count things and, and how we can use that to drive our success. So what other what other metrics can we look at besides just views and subscriptions? Okay, so, <laughs> so I can talk about it all day. That's a good question, right? YouTube actually gives you tons of information you can use when you're a creator, okay, let's say you have your YouTube channel, you have views, you get so much data, so much data. At first, it's it can be confusing and overwhelming, but I suggest be focused 
on just the few basics I'm going to mention now. Okay, because you can get lost. You can you can spend days and days and days diving into data on YouTube. Even if you don't, even if you don't have many viewers and subscribers, you have so much data points and so many different um, metrics and and whatnot. So we're going to do a deep dive with just one specific metric that I want to mention, and it will unravel you an entire world of information that you need. And I would say that's a great first step to get into YouTube analytics. When you go to YouTube analytics, that's, that's the place where you can get all the data or like the, the backend of YouTube, if you want to call it like that, you have the watch funnel. Okay, so it's actually, it's a funnel about how people are watching you. It provides the basic information about your viewer's journey to your videos. People who seek knowledge on YouTube, okay? And I'm going to divide two different kinds of people who go to YouTube. There's entertainment and there's people who want knowledge. It can be, they want to learn something, they want to know something. So I'm talking about people who are looking for knowledge. So entertainment channels, it's, or it's, that's not our deal now. So that's not, that's not what this conversation is, a conversation is about. So people who seek knowledge on YouTube, they can acquire this knowledge in two ways. They either have a, a question in mind and they look it up, like it's a search engine, right? They're searching the question and then they are exposed to interesting information tailored to their interest, to their interest by YouTube. Or they can just go to YouTube and YouTube just pops up things YouTube knows they're interested in. So the first step in the journey is exposure. How did the viewer, how did the viewer discover your video? Basically, there are three options. They either search your video, they either got a YouTube suggestion, or they got a shared link. Someone they know send them a link of a video. Basically, these are the options that uh, someone can, can find your video. The funnel will present you the percentage of viewers who find you from search versus viewers who were suggested your videos. So you probably want to ask, but I want both of them. I want people to search my videos because I make interesting videos and I want YouTube to suggest my videos to other people. So how can I, what's, what should it be, right? So, and it's true. And yet as a YouTuber, you can usually get more exposure from suggestions than from search. There are only so many people who are actively searching the important information you have, but many people who are passively interested in what you have to say, if you can teach YouTube in a way what your content is about and who is your target audience, it will do the job for you matching your information and the passively interested audience. So just from the first line of information in the funnel, we can learn so much. Let's say, for example, if 99% of your viewers find your videos from search, it may sound great because you say, okay, so many people are searching for my videos, but it actually means that YouTube has no idea how to suggest 
like who to suggest your videos to, and you can do a better job explaining to people and YouTube who's your target audience. And I, I really, I want to add a side note over here. People tend to think they should optimize the videos to YouTube as opposed to auto-optimize for people. Mm. This is a misconception. The YouTube algorithm is very sophisticated. There are smart people on, on YouTube. They have uh, many, they have a lot of resources and they like, it's only, the, the algorithm only job is to suggest the right videos to the right audience. That's it. So the conclusion is, if you optimize your videos to your audience, YouTube will figure out on its own and we know to suggest your videos to people who are probably want to be in your audience too. No, I think that's a really great point because it's so easy when we talk about so many aspects of data that you lose sight of the people that are involved and why you're doing this and that you're doing it for people. You're not doing it for machines. I mean, when you develop data standards, for example, it's really easy to forget that the reason we're trying to like standardize data and create this process is because we want to create insights for humans to do their, the actions that they need or to empower their decisions. And you can sometimes be like, well, we're going to just design a system that works for the system. We're going to design data that works for the system. And you're like, no, 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 that's just a tool to get us where we need to get as humans. Exactly. So the algorithm is the tool. It's going to do the work for you. Your mindset should be, how can I deliver the best information value? You can call it impact for my audience, what's going to make the most impact? You don't, don't even think about the machine. The machine, let it do its, its thing. It's fine. It, it, don't be concerned about it. Be concerned about your audience. It's all about your audience. I'm going to keep going on the watch funnel because there are two more steps to the watch funnel. Okay, so, so we talked about the first step, how someone even found your video. So the second step of the viewer journey, I would say, is the click. How many people who were exposed to your video actually clicked on it? So you can have an amazing video. You can have like this amazing, fancy production, whatnot, and no one will know unless they click on the video. Low click percentage, or as YouTube call it, call it click-through rates, they can help you understand if your thumbnails and titles deliver a clear message to the viewer. Basically, your title and thumbnail are the promise you give to the viewer. You give them, a, you say, I promise you, this video is about X. If you're gonna click this thumbnail, you're gonna get the, this information. That's a promise. And if your promise is not clear, if I don't know what I'm gonna get, I'm not going to waste my time because YouTube is, it's like a sea of information. There's endless videos in YouTube. There are endless videos in YouTube and you can only watch so many. So you should be very clear to your audience what they're getting. If you give them what, if you give them what they want, they're going to click. And then the third and final step is actually the watch time. How much time did an average viewer spend in your video? Time and percentage, okay? So 
it might be the most important metric in YouTube overall. No one knows for sure, but that's the rumors. Okay, so again, you can learn from this one metric so much. You can learn about the correlation between your promise and the value you provide. Because if you gave an amazing promise and you don't provide, your watch time is going to be very short because people are going to say, oh, this video is not about what I think it is. I'm going to leave. They're going to bounce out. And that's really bad for you in terms of data for the YouTube algorithms and stuff. So if we look on, on only on this tiny piece of information, this journey, how they find my videos, did they click or not? And how much time they spend on my video? These are only three parameters you can keep watching. That's already so much information about what interests my audience. Why are they clicking this video and not the other one? Why are they leaving this video and not this other one? So you can draw so many conclusions from this only from this data and you can make so many smart, insightful decisions accordingly. You did such a great job outlining these three key metrics and then how we can interpret them. I think there's two breakdown points when, when people come to social media data where they go, first, what do I look at, right? And as you said, with YouTube, there's so much data, it can be really easy to get overwhelmed in terms of the specific thing that you're looking for. And so I like that you said, okay, we're gonna focus on these three key parameters and you can kind of ignore the rest for now because this is gonna give you so much to work with. And then we talked about what do each of these things actually mean? So I can get a recommend to search ratio. I'm like, let's say it's 80% search to 20% recommendation. All right, I have a data point, but what does that actually mean? And your point is, is you might not have necessarily quite optimized for your audience because it's not being recommended to a lot of people. You know, YouTube might not really be sure yet who your audience is. So you might need to get a little bit more clear about who you're trying to target. Maybe if you're putting too much stuff into one channel, you actually need two separate channels or your two separate audiences or whatever that might mean. Then for the second one, that click through saying, you know, all right, first, we just have to get the exposure, which means making sure that you're providing real things of value that do end up getting, you know, the, the watch time. It's sort of a circle rather than necessarily a funnel. Right. But but that click through is not actually dependent on your content. Like you said, it's dependent on your ability to make a compelling, clear promise to the watcher. And so if you've got a low click through rate, that means you aren't either being clear or you're not being compelling, right? right? That, that you're not presenting the right stuff to the right people and therefore they're not clicking through. But if you were really, I liked that you outlined that bounce problem, right? If you were really high click, through rate, but then a really low watch time, right? People are leaving very quickly. That's a problem. And that number itself is going to tell you, you aren't delivering on the promise that you're making. So either you need to change the promise or you need to change the content that you're creating. And I think this one also is a really good one because it goes back to that the number of viewers isn't necessarily what you're trying to get at. If you have really good watch times, like if people watch your things from start to finish, or even better yet, like go back and watch certain sections again, then you could have a relatively small number of viewers, but you're really connecting with them. That's exactly true. Right. You're making something that resonates with them, that they really are consuming and understanding. And that might be far more important 
than having you know twice as many viewers that watch for a quarter of the time. Exactly, that's completely true. I would say if you can get people to watch your entire content and over again, like if you can get your audience to be really engaged with your content, YouTube is going to suggest you to more and more videos and you're going to do great on YouTube. So that's that's the big mission of a YouTuber. So like to make, how can I really make what they need and what they want? And how can I really get to the right people? Because I have a lot to say. It's important for them to hear, but who's them? And how do I find them? And how do I how do I get it? So it's a journey. It's a journey for them. It's a journey for you too. And you can do this journey with your data. And I, I like to say that as we get started and you're working on this, you're going to take your best guess. You might not necessarily know exactly what the right steps are in order to, to start that process. But with the data, you can try it and see, did this improve my click-through rate? Or like you said, if you look at your really high-performing videos, what do they have that's different than my low-performing videos? And if I, if I change that about my low-performing videos, do I see an increase in some of these key metrics that I'm tracking? And so even if we don't necessarily get exactly the answer of how to fix some of the problems that our data are showing us, our data can help us at least test those ideas. But that actually brings me to, to probably my last question about this, though, which is what happens when we don't really have enough data at the beginning to, to drive any of this, right? Like you only have 10 watches or, you know, 10, 10 viewers, or you only have, you know, a handful of people in this funnel. And so you're not really sure, is this working? Is it not? I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't know because I just don't have a, a volume of data. Right. So it's really hard to draw conclusions when you don't have enough data. And by the way, what's enough data? <laughs> 10 points, 100 points, 10,000 points, like what's enough? You can, you know, it's a, it's a the question out of its own, but I would say what I did when I was, I started YouTube, okay? That's what I'm going to say. I have like this spectrum system again. So I have like this one point on one end and one point in another end. And I'm going to do, I'm going to test basically exactly like you said, I'm going to test two very different approaches to my videos, let's say. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to see which one of them makes a, a bit, uh, takes a bit better or resonates a bit better with my audience or, or even with me, with what I'm comfortable doing. And then I'm going to try another point closer to this one and another point closer to this one. And I'm going to extrapolate in a way, like mm -hmm. how can I advance my skills and my... Mm -hmm. Um, videos in general. Let's say, for example, I'm debating of, do, um, should I do like this two, three, four minute video, very informational, or should I do like this 15, 20 video, very emotional, very impactful, I don't know. So, and, and I don't know which one I do. So I'm gonna try them both. They're super, super different. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see which one works better for me and better for my audience, even if it's 10 people. And then I'm gonna try again, closer to one point, and I'm going to see, is it better? Is it not? So even if you don't have data, you can do some calculated um, steps in order to get this data. That makes sense. And I know that one of the big things with YouTube is consistency, right? Can just keep trying, right? Keep posting videos. And the more that you get out there, like you said, you'll slowly start to accrue some information. You said it might just be 10, 10 viewers at the first time, but then it might be 15 after that. And if you see that, 
you know, 10 of those 15 liked one thing more than another, you can try that thing they liked better and see if you get the same result that 10 out of 15 liked that one as well. Um, so you can still try to get a little bit of information out of that. Right. So I, I'm going to say about consistency, there's, it's super true and there's a misconception about it. So consistency is not for YouTube algorithm, okay? It's not for the machine, okay? So consistency is mainly for you because when you start and you don't exactly show what you're going to do and what you want to do and you have 10 viewers, it's also not for the 10 viewers, it's for you. Like when you are consistent about content creation, you're going to get better at it. You're going to do more stuff. You're going to learn a lot about the process, about you, about what you can do and what you can give. So I would say not only on YouTube, consistent content creation is just something you should pursue as a creator, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a nonprofit owner. Um, so I would say it's, it's great for you to create because you can learn so much about yourself and your business and your goals from creating more and more content. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be like high quality, expensive gear, camera gear, and all this stuff. When you start, give the answers people are looking for. Give the information people are searching for. That's why they're searching for it in YouTube. And that's how you're going to get into YouTube in the first place. Oh, and you bring up a good point that that search to recommendation ratio at the beginning, it's going to be all searches because, you you know, the algorithm doesn't know you, your audience doesn't know you. And so it's not that it's necessarily like bad to start out in that searches. What you want to see is that you're you're progressing towards that recommendation, right? you know, and that, you know, you're building momentum because you're starting to nail down that audience. And that audience is wanting this information and, and you're addressing that. And so the algorithm is willing to recommend your stuff because it, it can see that you're satisfying the group that is finding you. Yes. No, I, I mean, I find this incredibly helpful. I sometimes struggle with that consistent content creation. And you're right that, that just the more you do it, the more comfortable you feel in front of the camera, the more that your message becomes clear and that you kind of nail down really the information that you're trying to to explain. And the more you do it, the more that you might just stumble on something that's successful. The more things that you just try, you may right. sort of by accident put together a couple of things that really work. And then once that happens, because you're looking at that data, you might all of a sudden see it take off and you know, okay, I need to build on that. That was really what, what was successful. It happens more than you're thinking. <laughs> so <laughs> like the, these happy mistakes. If we were going to leave our listeners with one action that they should take, in the next, say, couple of weeks, what what would you tell them? You know, like, all right, here's the one thing that you should do. And just one thing, because I have so many. Uh, <laughs> all right, you can do two or three if you've got two. Okay, okay, okay. Day. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I just want you to understand, YouTube is a tool for you to use to make impact in the world. So if you want to connect with an audience, you can definitely try. Mm -hmm. It's free. It's a free tool for you to use. Mm -hmm. You can try it. You can listen to this podcast over and over again. <laughs> and, and you can learn about how to start. Just try it, start it, and it can be amazing for you. I like that. So, all right. If you have not done a YouTube channel out there, go and sign up right now for your nonprofit. Make your first video. Just try it and see. And if you have a YouTube channel, I think we'll recommend is look at these three metrics. 
Right. Go and check them out. Write down where you are on each of them and, and say, are you comfortable with where they're sitting? Or, you know, did you hear something from us where maybe you would like to increase one of those steps in the watch funnel or, or adjust it? And you might try something new to see if you can change that. So I have learned so much in this podcast. Thank you so much, Atai, for your time. I really, really appreciate it. If people want to find you to learn some more, where could they find you? People can find me at youtuberstoolkit.com yt-tk, which is the initial for YouTubers Toolkit, um, .com. Perfect. And we'll put that link in the show notes. And right. you also have a really great ebook. Can I link to that in the show notes as well or to the... Yeah, I'm going to... Yeah, page? I can... Um, okay. I, I can make a page for that would everyone be great. listening. Yeah. All right. We'll do that. And we'll have all of that information in our show notes. So highly recommend um, checking out Atai's information because... This is really, really great stuff. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to Heart, Soul, and Data. This podcast is brought to you by Moroccanus, an analytics education, consulting, and data services company devoted to helping nonprofits and social enterprises amplify their impacts and thrive through data. You can learn more at Maracanos.com. M-E-R-A-K-I-N-O-S.com.